I've decided to continue uh, hitting the pause button on our study uh, through the book of Nehemiah. Um, since we are, we're taking a break anyway from last week we did, and uh, just it seems like the time of year warrants a bit of a different message, and so I, I want to just continue putting a pause on that, and uh, I want to preach a couple of messages that are for Christmas, although I was, uh, that was in my head, and I was preparing this week, and I kind of got done, and I chuckled a little bit, because I thought, I don't know, this maybe isn't going to be what you'd normally think of as a Christmas message. If you know me, my family knows me, and I have traditionally not been much of a Christmas guy anyway, so maybe it's rather fitting that my Christmas messages don't come out very Christmassy. But, um, you know, we, we talk about all kinds of things at Christmas, and I want to take a look at, uh, as we prepare for Christmas, as we get ready to celebrate Christmas, as we do celebrate Christmas, which I do think is important for us, right? When uh, the King of Glory comes into the world in human form, that's a pretty massive event. That's a pretty exciting thing that happens, and we should celebrate that. So uh, as we do that, I want to do that looking through the eyes of the one who came pre- before him to prepare the way for him, the forerunner, as uh, Scripture calls him, which, of course, I'm referring to John the Baptist. Uh, I, and I want to, it's a little Again, I recognize it's not traditional because when we think of, you know, Christmas messages, we're talking about the birth of Jesus Christ. And I want to look at the birth of Jesus Christ or his coming as a baby, but I want to do it through the eyes of the one who prepared, not for the birth of Jesus, but for the entrance of his public ministry when he was grown to be an adult and John began to go uh, prepare the way for uh, Jesus to come. So if you have your Bibles, I hope you do, open them to John chapter 1. I'd like to just read some verses this morning, although we're really going to uh, put them together from all the Gospels because all the Gospels speak of John coming and preparing the way. And let me just read them first and then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll continue with uh, what, what uh, I think we want to uh, hear this morning from the Lord. And this is the testimony. This is, I should tell you where I'm at. John chapter 1 verse 19. Verse 19 of John chapter 1. And this is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem, he's out in the wilderness, so he's not, out in the, he's not there in the city. They sent uh, uh, priests and Levites out to him uh, to ask him, who are you? Verse 20, he confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. So they said to him, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the prophet, sorry, from the Pharisees. They asked him, then why are you baptizing if you were neither the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place, it says in verse 28, in Bethany, across the Jordan, where John was baptizing. So we're going to take a look at the coming of Jesus Christ, but we're going to do it through the lens of the one who said, I am the voice that's crying out in the wilderness. I'm I'm, I want to make something known. If you want to know, and he was saying, by the way, in effect, he was saying, it's not important who I am. It's important that you know who the one is that I'm pointing to. He is greater. And might I add, as is pretty typical, for us in the midst of busy holiday celebrations, 
that it might be important for us to take a step back as well and recognize that John says, there's one standing among you that you don't even know. Now, hang on. Who's he talking to? Who's, who's he say that to? Let your eye travel back up the verses to who came to John and asked him the question. Who's he talking to? The priests and the Levites. Now, if you were to suppose, taking a good look at first century Jewish life, if you were to suppose the people that would be the most poised and have the most knowledge and the most awareness of, the, of Jesus the Messiah, who would those people be? Who would you expect to be the ones that would first recognize Jesus? The ones that know, right? The ones that have studied their life long. The ones, you know, it's entirely possible that there's all kinds of people living there who are Jewish and their Jewish faith, they may be following the Jewish faith, but they don't know what all the scriptures say. They don't know what all the prophets have said. They, don't, they haven't spent years studying that. And yet John looks at them and says, there's one standing among you that you don't even know. And for us today, I think it's worth us having the humility to say to ourselves, is there perhaps some things about Jesus, or is Jesus, in fact, perhaps, as we move through Christmas celebration, and maybe our lives in general, but through Christmas, certainly, is there possibility that Jesus is here among us and we don't even know? Like, we don't actually know him as well as we think we do. We don't recognize him like we ought to. John said, I am the voice of one crying out. And so today, as we prepare for the coming of Jesus, I want to take us to some things that John said, that that voice cried out. And it probably will not be essential, or typically where you would go for a Christmas preparation message, but I can't deviate from what Scripture says. And I have to think that if it was important when Jesus was actually coming into the world, that the people of, uh, of faith heard those words, then they're important for us today. So let's take some, a look at some things. The first thing I want to look at is actually go back to the Gospel of Luke. Now, uh, here in, in John, what I read, he gave a little snippet of a prophecy from Isaiah. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. But I want to read the, a, a little fuller snippet of what Isaiah's prophecy was. So if you would flip back in your Bible to Luke chapter 3, we're going to see the same text or the same uh, thing happening, John baptizing and him declaring why he's doing or what he's doing, why he's doing what he's doing and what he is doing. And I want to read from uh, Luke chapter 3, starting in verse 4. John says, as it is, or sorry, Luke says, as it is written in the book of the words of the Isaiah the prophet, here's what John, how he saw himself. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Prepare the way of the Lord. Every valley, sorry, let me finish that. Make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall become straight, and the rough places shall become level ways, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. My pointer's falling apart, so I got to put that back together. There we go. Prepare the way of the Lord. This is the, what the voice is crying out. And I want us to pause for a moment and just think of those words carefully. Again, I, you hear me say this all the time. If you come to church, you hear me say this all the time. We have such, well, I mean this and I don't mean this. We have such a familiarity with the Bible so often. With so many words we've read and heard them taught and just, and we, we go through them and we have this tendency to just read them and we're like, yeah, yeah, I know what that says. Brrr, well, we go. Read the words. Prepare the way of the Lord. There's preparation necessary. 
you realize we do all kinds of preparing for Christmas, right? Like all kinds of preparing. We decorate our houses. We make sure everything's just right. We go buy presents. We shop for food. We get out the calendars and we, we well, maybe this year, maybe not so much about getting out the calendars, but we get out our calendars, see when we get together. We make all kinds of preparations for Christmas, don't we? Do we actually prepare the way for Jesus to come? Do we spend half as much time preparing the way of the Lord to make straight his paths? Now, listen carefully. This is, it's not about, you know, this, is hard, this, this phrase here, it harkens back to when the king arrives, right? And you, 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 you make way. You, you get people out of the way. You have the people going ahead of time and say, hey, the king's coming. They're announcing it. And here he comes. You, you get everybody out of the way. You get all the riffraff out of the way. You make sure that there's a straight way for him to go. You make sure that the entrance is prepared. But this is not, what this is, this is not about making way so that Jesus can come down to us. He came. We didn't have to prepare that way, did we? Because God sent him. That's very clear in Scripture. God sent his son Jesus because he loved the world so much. The question or the, the preparation that's necessary is, can Jesus actually make his way here into us? Or can we actually make our way to him? Can we find him? Or are there so many things in the way? And you can, you can take a lot of this, this, this discussion in a lot of different directions. Are there mountains in the way? Are there valleys in the way? Are there chasms in the way? Are there crooked paths that we just can't see the way to Jesus or he can't find the way to us? Now, that's, I, again, I don't mean that. It's not that he can't find the way. He's God. There's, there's no way that's going to stop him. But are we allowing that to happen? And you can, again, you can talk about the business of the season, or you can talk about the things we do to prepare the things, or you can, or you can frame the discussion and say, well, maybe there's other things that are the mountains and the chasms, things like our sinfulness or our pride or our self-righteousness or our distractions or our passions or all the things that we take all this time, the 24 hours we have every day that we spend all this time and yet somehow don't have time for the Lord. We don't have time to prepare the way for God to come. We don't have time to, to make a straight path. We don't have time to, to get rid of those, those high places and, and, and fill up those low places so that Jesus can actually come to us. In Revelation, he says it this way to one of the churches. He says, listen, I'm standing outside of the door knocking. I want to come in. But you haven't opened it yet. There's an entire sermon there about there being no room in the inn for Jesus. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. There is preparation needed when the king is about to come. Do you agree with me? By the way, if this were in real life and the king or the president, if, if you found out the president was coming to your house tonight, would you make any preparations? Or would you say, ah, just how will we find our house every day of the week? He can just walk in. It's no problem. Right? You would make preparations. There's preparations needed when the king is coming. So the question becomes, what kind of preparations? What kind of preparations are necessary? It turns out that actually in the Gospel of Matthew, this answer is recorded. It's the very first thing Matthew records that John the Baptist said as he's the voice crying out in the wilderness. This is from Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3 starts off this way in verse 1. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. So he went out in the wilderness and he began to preach. He began to become the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. And here was his message. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I submit to you and I that this is probably the last message you would expect to hear with the advent of Jesus, with the coming of Jesus. We picture bells and 
nice music and angels singing and fuzzy animals and somehow a nice clean stable, which I'm sure wasn't true, and nice cleaned up situation and all packaged together nicely. Here come the wives. We picture all this lovely, warm, fuzzy stuff about Christmas, about the coming of the king. And yet when the voice of the one crying out said, prepare the way for God to come, his first thought, his first declaration, his first command, his first exhortation, his first most important word to us was, repent, God's coming. Why is it necessary to repent when we talk about a baby coming into the world? Why do we think repentance? We don't often think that way, right? We don't think repentance, but I'd like to have us think this morning. When the God of the universe is going to arrive, how should we prepare ourselves? When the king of glory is going to come, how should we prepare ourselves? When the great I am is going to make an entrance, how should we prepare ourselves? I submit to you and to myself that the word repent is one of the first words that should run across our minds. I hope you know this. I hope you've experienced this. But there is but one response that we have when we come into the presence of the Lord. What is it? What is it for you? Maybe I should just ask it that way. I said, I kind of buttonholed it or whatever, the sh shoeboxed it, whatever that phrase is, to say there's only one response. But what is it for you? When you truly come in the presence of God, what, what's, your, what's your first response to that? How do you respond? Okay, Father, forgive me, for I have sinned. I hope there's more than just one person that's come in the presence of God in their lives. How do you respond? Woe is me. How does it make you feel? Now, there's other things happening too, right? But how does it, what happens when we come in the presence of the Almighty? We are suddenly, unequivocally, no mistake about it, we suddenly recognize exactly how little we are and how big He is. Repent is the exact word that should come to mind when we think of God coming. A realization that no matter how little I thought of myself before, I probably didn't think little enough. Because let's be honest, most of us don't think that little of ourselves. We're pretty high on ourselves most times. A realization that no matter how good I think I am, I am still a bunch of dirty rags when God's holiness enters and comes into the room. Repent. Realize how wretched my condition is before a holy God. Prepare the way of the Lord. And if you want to be prepared for Jesus to come, if you want to make some straight paths for Jesus, for you to come to Jesus this Christmas, can I encourage you, can I ask you, as you're looking forward to those family get-togethers, as you're looking forward to whatever conversations you might have, can I please beg of us to at least bring repentance into part of that, to recognize that if I'm going to celebrate the coming of Jesus Christ, it has to do, a lot of it has to do with me getting my heart submitted, yielded, repentant before the Almighty. There's no other way the King of Glory can come, by the way. Otherwise, it will be true of us that there's no room in our hearts for Him. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I want to keep reading just a little bit from Matthew chapter 3 here. So hopefully you turn there. 
It says in verse 5, Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. They heard that cry. They heard the repentance cry. They, they said they heard the way that is necessary to prepare. And then it says in verse 7, But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, Now, boy, this is a, this is a great Christmas message. You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear, in, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Whew. That doesn't quite sound like the... Uh, pleasing Christmas message that often comes, and I'm, well, I get in trouble for this because some of you make fun of me because I say I'm sorry, and then I tell you I'm not sorry, so. Look at some things he says, because by now, if you've done what we tend to do, we say, yeah, that's great, we're supposed to repent, we're supposed to be where Jesus is coming, now let's start getting back into mode of, you know, planning my holiday parties that I have coming up. Because i got to take care of that. Let's not all be Martha's, please. Let's spend some time as Mary this Christmas. But look at what John says. He says, I'm not just going to tell you to repent. I'm not going to just tell you that's what's necessary. I'm going to ask that you go beyond a mental recognition that you should be humbled before the coming king. He says... I think you should bear fruit in keeping with that repentance. I think the outside should look like it changed on the inside. I think it should look different. Now, I don't want to make a huge point about this. It's not the point of the message, so please understand. But I think our Christmas celebration should look different than the rest of the world's. Because we're celebrating something different than the rest of the world is. I think there ought to be a bit more meaning and hope, true hope, and joy, true joy, and rejoicing, and acknowledgement of why we're doing what we're doing than the rest of the world. They don't have that. There should be some, that's what this phrase is about, there should be some outward sign that what I'm celebrating has a lot more to do with what's happening in here than it does with what's happening out here. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And if you haven't had enough warning this morning, if it hasn't come in a completely different package already so much that you're thinking this is nothing to do with Christmas at all, trust me, it has a lot to do with the coming of Jesus. I want you to see that there's a warning in these messages or in these verses too. And lest we skip away too easily from it and saying, well, that was to those wicked, awful Pharisees and Sadducees. Look what John the Baptist says. And do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. In other words, don't assume that you're going to be okay because of your lineage, because of your history, because of your family, because of where you come from, because of all the stuff you have behind you. If I were to translate that to us today, in the middle of a 
voice crying out in the wilderness kind of message to prepare us for the coming of Jesus Christ to today's Christian church here at Riverview, I would say let's be careful we don't just assume because we've grown up in a Christian environment, we've celebrated Christmas every year of our lives and we've always known it's really about Jesus. In fact, we'll even tell people that's the reason for the season. We really know what it's all about. Let's not just presume that we are right with God and that we have this all down. Again, those in first century Jerusalem who ought to have known the most about the coming Messiah were the ones who were at the brunt end of this, who were the ones that were being warned. In fact, were the ones that would then oppose him. May it not be said of those of us today in 2020 who should know the most about Jesus the Messiah. May it not be said of us that we need this kind of message, that we're the ones that missed him actually, or that we in some way even oppose who he is and what he's doing. But I can tell you, the reason this message I think is so appropriate and so fitting and so necessary is because it's something that we talk about all year long here at Riverview. Something that you've heard come out of my mouth probably dozens of times if you're paying attention. And it's the reality that in Scripture we see layers upon layers upon layers of fulfillment. We see the coming of something that's a coming true of what was spoken back here, but it's not all the way there yet. In fact, when we went through our, our uh, sermon series on what we believe, we even talked about the fact that we live in a now but not yet kind of kingdom. We live in that the kingdom of God is here now, but it's not yet. We live in the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ now, but we haven't experienced the ultimate freedom yet, have we? We live in the, the truth of what God has declared, but we are still in this container and we're still in this world where there's all kinds of sin and all kinds of, of pain and anguish. It's a now but not yet. And as we talk about and prepare the way, uh, the way for Jesus to come at Christmas time, we cannot but help, if we're at all serious about this, we cannot but help recognize that there's a part of us that is looking back and there's a part of us that is looking forward. If you were, for example, which we'll do here in a little bit, but if you were, for example, to go through all the texts I just read this morning, and instead of looking at them as talking about and preparing the coming of Jesus when he was a baby, and begin to look at them as preparing for the way for Jesus when he's coming as the king of kings, with his second coming, you would see that every one of those scriptures still applies, and in fact takes on another whole other meaning, a whole other dimension, a whole other reason for why everything that's true about the first coming of Jesus is as much or more true with the second coming. For example, for example, reading the verses I just read to you from Matthew chapter three. When he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, now listen to his message and this time, instead of thinking back to Jesus coming the first time as a baby and then coming into his public ministry for the very first time, think of Jesus coming out of the clouds. You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? 
bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water. Today, by the way, in our churches, we baptize with water for repentance. But he who is coming, he came the first time, he's coming again. He who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Is it not evident to us as we look at the scripture this morning? Is it not evident to us that there is a much greater fulfillment of those verses right there that is yet to come with Jesus' return than what happened the first time. He did all those things. Make no mistake. He did all those things. They were done spiritually. They were done internally. But he will do all those things, and they will be done not just in the spirit. They will be done physically, externally. If ever the message of preparing the way for Jesus was true, I believe Today is a day to recognize that we should be preparing, be preparing the way for Jesus to come. Not as a baby. Not back there. We should celebrate that that already happened. But we should do so with an eye to the fact that when he comes again, it won't be in the humble, quiet way we're going to talk about next week. It won't be to those lowly and those few that find out and the word begins to spread. It won't be hidden for how many years before this voice begins to cry out actually. For the scripture is clear that when Christ returns, when the Son of Man comes in the clouds, every eye will see him. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Even the verses I read to you from Luke, Luke chapter 3, read them again with a different lens this time. Not looking back at his first coming, but looking forward to his second coming. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crooked shall become straight and the rough places shall become level ways and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. You understand on that day, all flesh will see the salvation of God. The question at hand will be, have we repented and prepared our hearts so that we're ready for that coming. Please, please, as we think of the advent of Jesus, as we come into a season of celebrating the birth of Jesus, please, please hear the voice of the one crying out and say and do and follow through and recognize it is far more important that our hearts are prepared than our houses. It's far more important that the way has been cleared for Jesus to come here and for me to come to him than it is that I have my house cleared, ready for company. Far more important that we've received the gift of life from him than all the gifts in the world that we're gonna give away over the next couple of weeks or receive in the next couple of weeks. Let us prepare. Let's hear the voice of one crying in the wilderness and let's prepare the way of the Lord for ourselves. And might I add then that scripture is clear that 
now that Jesus has come the first time, if you would listen to a guy named Paul, he would say that we have now in fact become the ambassadors for Jesus Christ ourselves, which means it is our voices that should be crying out to prepare the way for the Lord. That is us that should be making known how necessary it is to repent, to bear fruit in keeping with repentance, to not presume that we have it right because of our ancestry, our lineage, our denomination, our church, our church attendance, our good deeds, all of the above. But to have humbled ourselves and made way for the King of Kings to enter here, to reign here, to sit on the throne of my heart. Pray with me if you would. Father, thank you so much for your word this morning. Thank you for the coming of Jesus Christ. Oh, God, we can't say enough about what a difference that made. About what the, how glorious it is when you sent Jesus to be born as a babe in a manger. The beginning of the unfolding of the plan to rescue humanity. And we, we here today still, and we'll be all, all throughout the ages that, you've, that you will allow still, the time that you will allow for us as humans are still, we are still benefiting. We're still the recipients of that mercy. We're still the beneficiaries of that grace. We're still the ones who can by faith receive what you have done through Jesus. And it's so precious. But we hear this morning the voice of one crying out, we hear the importance that even as we think of the babe in the manger, we think of this little, we think of God Almighty born in this little tiny human body. We recognize the necessity to repent before him. And we lay that on top of the, the appending, the looming, the, the, the ever-present, the, the, the quickly approaching, I would say, truth of Jesus Christ's return. And if ever John the Baptist's words were true when Jesus began his ministry back then, they are true for us today, and we want to hear them and receive them, Father. It may mean different things for us, but we want to receive those words. We want to hear the voice that's crying out that we are ready for Jesus to come. I pray, God, as we make preparations over the next couple of weeks that we would make the greatest preparations, the most important preparations of all. In our own hearts, in our families, those we're getting together with, those we might work with. Jesus, we want you to come to us. We welcome you. We'll gladly We'll gladly, we'll gladly step aside that you may fill us and have your way with us. We believe in scripture that says it is the reasonable act of service, of worship that we can give you is to offer our bodies to you as a living sacrifice. Do with us what you want. Come, King. We are preparing the way. We say this to bring glory and honor to you, Jesus, for you deserve it. We pray in the name of Jesus, amen. You may stand this morning. May this be a week of preparation for you. Father,
Fill us with the knowledge of what it means to prepare and give us the grace to act that out, to live that out, to prepare the way for Jesus as we celebrate Christmas. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Go in peace today.